Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Well, my name's Bron, for those of you who don't know me. And uh, February, every the first Sunday in every February, we have what we call Vision Sunday. If you were here last week, you would have heard uh, my husband, um, Pastor Darren Francis Spinell, uh, bring the vision and, and he, he's, a, he's a rallier, that's his natural gift. And I don't know about you, but I got really excited last week hearing about the expansive decade that in fact, uh, that possibly, and actually what I think is probably, and almost inevitably, is what's going to happen is that in 10 years, what we do now will be as unrecognisable as it is from 10 years ago. And so that's exciting, I believe that, an expansive decade. While I was in Armidale, I was in Armidale last week, bringing Vision Sunday to the Armidale congregation. And because they're new on the page of what we do here at the chapel and, and, and in the leadership vision and culture, we went back to basics for them. We went and talked about the kind of church that we want to be. And as I brought that to them, and, and, and it always you know, has varying degrees of questions and, and thoughts and, and support and whatever else it might be, uh, I really felt that I needed to bring that here as well. That actually it's been a long time since we've orientated ourselves around the kind of church that we are. I thought it's a great time. We're just after Vision Sunday. We're about to head into 40 days of purpose. And uh, so to orientate ourselves around the kind of church that we believe that God wants us to be. A lot of it is kind of inferred knowledge. If you've been around for a long time, then you might be used to this. And, or you might just see it at work and you've never really understood the why behind what we do. Well, that's what we're looking at today. Uh, if you're a bit concerned and wondering if this is from the Bible, let me tell you, it's all brought up out from the Bible. But you'd be right in thinking there's not a whole lot of Scripture here today. So let me comfort you. Next week, we go neck deep in Scripture with 40 Days of Purpose. Uh, the Rick Warren's book, um, What on Earth Am I Here For?, is just, it's Scripture in every paragraph, and uh, we'll be going full tilt into Scripture. Just let me encourage you on 40 Days of Purpose. There's three aspects of it. There's weekend services, and every week we orientate ourselves around what on earth am I here for? And uh, if you come to two services, it's okay. This, the messages will be different. They'll be around the same theme, but there'll be different facets and different aspects. And uh, also, then we have the small groups. If you're in a small group, then you're, you're positioning yourself to get the most out of this 40 days of purpose. As the first week says, that you've got 25,550 days on earth if you live to be 70. Or maybe 90, I'm not sure which one it was. But one of those... 25,550 days. Let's spend 40 of them discovering what it is we're here for. Let's just set aside 40 days to think about why we might be here. And then also we've got the daily devotions, which um, are in a book, Purpose Driven Life, or What on Earth Am I Here For is the rebranded one. If you've got the Purpose Driven Life at home, just use that one. You know, this is a, a monumental campaign. It's a spiritual growth campaign. It's in order to set us up for our year. Set us up even for our decade. What can happen so often, I don't know about you, is we get so excited in the new year and we're like, yes, I'm going to be doing this and I'm going to do this and, and God, I'm reorientating myself around this. And then somehow in February, March, things just almost go back to what they were. Well, we're determined that that's not going to happen. We're positioning ourselves intentionally to say, let's get involved in 40 days of purpose. If you're a new Christian, this is fantastic for you. If you've been a Christian for 40 years, this is fantastic for you because it will reorientate us all and reorientate our hearts. 
couple of practical things. If you didn't get an email last Sunday night with all the links for your way to get What on Earth Am I Here For?, please write down your email address on this card, give it to the info desk. And also, um, if you want to order that book, you like, you're a physical book person, anyone else like me? Kindle, whatever it is, Kindle. Um, yes, I, I like the physical book. You can give your name to the info team and they'll um, make sure we've got one on hold for you to pick up next week. So, 40 Days of Purpose. It's going to be great. What kind of church are we? What kind of church are we? If you're a bit of a purist, you, you might not even really like that statement, what kind of church are we? You're like, well, what do you mean what kind of church are we? We're Jesus church, that's what kind of church we are. But you only have to go around the churches in South Tamworth to discover that every church is actually different, that there's a different expression of God's church on the earth. You know, when uh, immediately when, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost and the church was born, uh, that's when everything was messed, like everything was messy. There was women, men, young, old, um, educated, uneducated, poor, rich, every kind of race, tribe and tongue kind of just in that place at that time. They were all Jews at that time and later extended to the Greeks. And, and, and the Spirit was poured out and it was messy and, and, and wonderful and beautiful. But then structure came in, as, as often does, and hierarchical structures were put in. And uh, what is now representative, the, the one church kind of went for a thousand years and power structures were there and, and the Holy Spirit's um, power was kind of pushed out to the edges in some places as institution and system took precedent. But then in 1054, there was the East and West Schism, which meant that all the East Orthodox people separated from the Western Orthodox people. And then about 500 years later, you had the Reformation. And the Reformation is where we... Aussies get most of our theology from. And, and so, in fact, what was the church for a thousand years that, where the East split? We kind of had no idea of the tradition, if we're Aussies, of the Eastern Orthodox people. And so, there's a whole lot of tradition that was the church for a thousand years that was lost in the midst of that. And then, fast forward to now, started out as one big church, then went to two, then went to three, and now there's something like 33,000 denominations on the earth. I don't know how you feel about that. If you're like, well, that's why I don't like the church and, you know, it's just whatever. Well, actually, I believe that God has majestically and, and as he does, moved in the midst of that in order to reach more people. As there's more styles, as there's more um, expressions of the church, more people have been able to reach, be reached because it hasn't just been the one thing that was trying to reach everyone. That's how good and clever God is. He, he'll use anything. So what kind of church are we? Well, if you were to be... You know, you'd say, what denomination do you belong to? Well, I guess you could say that the tribe or the denomination that we run with is called Pentecostal. That just simply means that we're not cessationists. A few big words just at the start, then we're going to scrap them. Cessationists are people that believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit were for a certain time in order to establish the church, but now they've stopped and they're no longer required anymore because we have the Bible and so we don't need so much of the gifts of the Holy Spirit anymore. Pentecostals are not cessationists. They believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for today. They believe that every gift is available to the believer and that God isn't like just, um, you know, willy-nilly, randomly picking people, but, but anyone who believes, they can have the signs that follow them that believe. That's what Pentecostals believe. But you know what? Even I'm not even talking about denominations. I'm talking about the style or the kind of church that we are because 
you go to Pentecostal churches and you've got the full gamut of expression as well. They're all over the shop. They're all different. And uh, I don't mean all over the shop badly. I just mean all different. And so what kind of church are we? What kind of church are we? Well, to understand what kind of church we are and want to be, we have to kind of understand where we came from. So when I grew up going to church, I, I have the highest regard for my church growing up. I am so grateful. I'm grateful for everyone that spent their lives um, pouring themselves out. I'm grateful for the family that was created there. I'm grateful for the high view of scripture that was given there. But man, church was long. (laughs) Church went for about three hours. And you might think, well, that's what church should go for. Bless you. Um, That's good. But but I, I, as a kid, didn't really enjoy church that went for three hours. And, uh, And so... Church went for a long time. Um, the message went for a long time. It kind of took up two-thirds or two-and-a-half-thirds of that. Someone do quick maths. And, uh, yeah, um, and, well, I was coming to know Dang it, get it out of your head. Um, and uh, so um, we, we, we had church. It went for a long time, and it was great, and I loved it. But really, a lot of the time, I'll be honest with you, I was bored in church. And so we would talk to our friends as we got older. And we knew that one of the most spiritual things that you can do is to invite someone who doesn't know Christ to invite them. And not being equipped to be able to do that one-on-one as a teenager, my method was to invite them to church. And so I would work up the courage. I don't know if you're a teenager and a Christian, but man, for me particularly, it was hard. You work up the courage. You know, maybe they know you're a Christian, maybe they don't. But eventually, finally, bite the bullet and say, do you want to come to church? And uh, they'd be like, oh, yeah, cool, I'll come and check it out. And uh, they would come, and, and it would go for a very long time. Maybe they wouldn't understand a lot of what was said. Maybe someone behind them might yell at the top of their voice in tongues, maybe. Maybe someone would yell across the room in English back at the person that was yelling in tongues. And, and, and that's all, you know, that, that's, you can find that in the Bible. I don't know if God yells all the time, but you can certainly find that um, practice in the Bible but, but what I found was that, that the resultant action that the Bible says will happen, which is that people will fall on their face and say, surely God is in this place, didn't actually happen with the way that we were doing it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with what we were doing. I'm just wondering and began to wonder, is the way that we're doing it what God wants for our church as we became into leadership. So when Daz and I became leaders, we started to really seek God. God, what is the kind of church that you want? What is the kind of church that you want in Tamworth? You know, there's so many great churches. Why would we just do the same thing? We could just join together with another church. That eventually happened, but that's not today's subject. But, um, but, but there's so many great churches out there. Let's just get on board with someone else, unless you've got something that you specifically want us to do. And we truly felt that God did. And that was reaching seekers and building believers. Reaching seekers and building believers. You know, Brun, that's what every church is supposed to do. And that's true. But we felt a unique um, design for our church, what God had given us to steward in order to reach seekers and building believers. And it was simply that we wanted to always hold it in tension. Reaching seekers and building believers. We wanted to never resolve this tension. We never wanted anyone to be truly happy. Aren't you glad you came to our church? That we never wanted a believer to go, yes, that was everything that I wanted from church this morning. Because we wanted to make sure they and us believers were not about ourselves, but were in fact about those who did not yet know God. And then we wanted a, someone who was a seeker, that's just someone who doesn't know Jesus yet, to come in and to feel included, to feel welcome, 
to feel like they were part of something and, and, and that, that actually they felt like it was life-giving and that they could come back next Sunday and keep asking questions if they wanted to. That's the kind of church that we wanted. And, but we didn't want them to be completely happy and understand absolutely everything because that would mean that the believer actually wasn't getting built either. So we decided that we always wanted to hold this intention. And, and, and to be honest, Daz and I were the only ones who liked it for the longest time. And I'm so grateful for so many of you who have come along that journey and even now where you're like, yeah, I can deal with this tension. I can deal with not feeling every Sunday like it's all about me in order that other people might be able to come and find God. Reaching seekers and building believers. Shortly after that, we added to it raising churches. And that was before, but only a couple of months before, Gyra approached us and said, you know what, I really want to become part of what Northwest is doing. That was Lee and Vicky Martin at the time. And then not long after that, um, Daz was given the role of the head of church planning of New South Wales. And so all of a sudden we were raising churches that we would never have any Part, like take part of the fruit of, but actually we were part of helping raise whatever church that was. And then Gunnedah um, asked us to replant out there. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, the story, Daz would have talked about it last week. Raising churches, reaching seekers, building believers, and raising churches. And we decided that we'd accomplish this through three things. Go, gather, and grow. Matthew chapter 28, 19 to 20 says, go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey, obey all the things that I've commanded you. So we believe that we need to go. We can't just go, oh yeah, I go to church on Sunday. It goes for roughly an hour and 10 minutes. No, no, we need to go and make disciples. We need to go and find people who don't know God yet and ask them, either engage them in conversation if we feel confident to do that, or invite them into a conversation that we know will take place here. And to create spaces and places where people would feel confident to invite to, that they would go and then they would gather. Number two is gather. Our gatherings had to drastically change. This was not without difficulty because people like what they like. I remember Mike Kramer saying to me, people don't know what they like, they like what they know. And isn't that true? Who's a big fan of change? Yes, change all the time. This is about four of you. And none of you raised your hand. Oh, yeah. And yes, you have to be under 12 to like change. That's true. People generally don't like change, but we had to change things radically in order to become a church that go, gathered, and growed, which is not good English. But uh, go, gather, grow. So gatherings had to change. They had to become shorter. Why? Because people had lives. And to invite someone who's never sat in a pew or in a service in, and to come and sit and listen for two hours was going to be a difficult task and a difficult job. So we began to make services shorter. You might think, well, Bron, why did they go longer? And I would tell you that I know why people said they went longer. It was because we were led by the Holy Spirit. And uh, so you would say, well, Bron, if you're timing them, then have they stopped being led by the Holy Spirit? Oh, I got... I got something alarming for you this morning. The Holy Spirit is able to work all the time. (laughs) Mic drop. (laughs) He's able to work all the time. He doesn't restrict himself to an hour on Sunday morning. He's actually able to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He doesn't restrict himself to this building. He's able to work in us and through us as we go into our workplace and into our, our lives and into our school. The Holy Spirit is working all the time. Oh, man. 
he, like, we let him know. We said, Holy Spirit, we're just going to be doing an hour and 10 minutes on Sunday mornings. He was like, you're kidding me. When am I supposed to work? Didn't happen because he works all the time. Doesn't restrict himself at all. And so an hour and 10 minutes or an hour and 15 minutes or whatever that looks like, we decided that we would time services, that there was a start time and there was a finish time. We goed, we gathered, and we growed. We grow, we grew, we grow. It's part of the plan. Sunday services will help us grow so much and will help some people grow so much. But again, that's not where all the growing is meant to happen. Growing is not meant to just happen in rows, it's meant to happen in circles as well. Like Sherry talked about brilliantly. Thank you, Sherry, wherever you are. Very articulately done, well done. Um, First time on platform talking? Wonderful, thank you so much. Um, But it's meant to be in circles, it's meant to be doing life together, it's meant to be, you know, back in the day, you would be able to yell out a question for me in the middle of the congregation. And in some congregations across the world, you still can. But I'm guessing that in our Aussie culture, like you'd have to really be maybe a little bit different to be yelling out at me right now in order to not care about what anyone might say. By the way, I would be okay with it, but let me tell you, most of our preachers would not, so probably don't do it. Um, but, but you can ask questions in a small group. You can get opinions. You can see God. You can hear God for yourself because, in fact, it's not, um, the, the, the leadership is not meant to be, and, and ministry that's given to the church is not meant to be that we tell you everything and it all works out. No, we're meant to equip the saints for the work of the ministry to each other. It's meant to be this empowering, um, just incredible body of believers that look out for each other, that spur one another onto love and good works, not just Bron up here telling you what to do and, oh no, it's Wednesday and I don't think I'm going to see Bron until next Sunday and how am I going to know what to do? No, no, God living inside of you, working inside of you. So we grow together. We grow not only in small groups, but we grow personally. We grow in our own devotional life. The Holy Spirit living inside of you, telling you this is the way. Walk in it. You reading your Bible, saying, God, what on earth does that mean? Oh, wow. And when you discover it for yourself, it's something altogether different to having it explained to you. So actually growing together. Go, gather, and grow. Oh, it was good. And, uh, and we look now, and we see that though some people just got on board, even though they didn't like it, and some people were all heart and soul like, yes, this is what I've dreamed about. And others were like, well, actually, I'm sorry, we need to opt out. And that was okay as well, that God took us where he was wanting to bring us. So if that's the case, how do we go with that tension of reaching seekers and building believers? If you're like, but Bron, I like what I like. It's true. I like what I know, and what I know is not bad, it's good. Will we create other environments for what you like? Because again, the Holy Spirit isn't restricted to an hour on Sunday morning. And overflow is an environment once a month where we come in here, where we take out the chairs, where the band go nuts and just seek God and everyone in here just seeks God like crazy. We throw out the run sheet and we're just full tilt, go for God. And actually, it's a really great environment to learn more about God and to experience His presence. If that's not you, then that's great. You don't have to come to it. If you would never invite a friend to it, that's great. You never have to invite a friend to it. It it just means that we don't only get what we like on an hour on Sunday morning, that God is able to work all across the week. So that's our, our, I always get it wrong, mission maybe, vision. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You're supposed to be much more up to these things when you're a leader. Um, 
It's either our mission or our vision and our strategy or something like that. Anyway, okay, so cultural values. Cultural values, that's a funny term, but it's simply how we do things around here. And every family has cultural values. Every household has cultural values. Your household has cultural values. Our household has cultural values. Uh, they're usually out of what we've learnt, aren't they? So, for example, you, you would have heard that one of the sayings in our house is, we don't do fairness, we do generous. And so when we're always looking for generous responses rather than what's fair. Now, for Bella, she's naturally generous. And so that's easy, comes easy to her. Katie is naturally justice and naturally like everything should be fair and line up and so it's harder for her and she has to really put aside her fairness mindset in order to live with a generous mindset. And then Lockie's just a torment and he will do whatever he can to make everyone get on edge. Yeah? You love it. <laughs> and so, um, so we don't do fairness, we do, that's one of our cultural values around our house. You would probably remember the story maybe of when Lockie was 10 and we're in the car and and Bella was whinging about something, and um, could have been any number of things, really. <laughs> Just kidding, girls. I know, you're so wonderful. Yeah, great. Yeah, buy your milkshake later. And, um, and, and so Bella was um, whinging about something, and Lockie pipes up from the back seat at 10 years old, Bella, steer your ship to positivity. And, um, and because he knew that one of our cultural values, even though we didn't articulate it like that, is that we're not negative and we don't whinge all the time. We try to keep positive and look for the best in everything and everyone. What is it in your house? You've got them. If I had brought my toddlers around um, when you were, had your toddlers, when they made trash the house, you would have said, all right, before you go, let's clean up. And you would be well within your rights to say that. And hopefully, parents, you would say to your children, get in there. Come on, that's what's done around here. Get in there and help them clean up. And, uh, and, so, and that's what we would do. If you came to my house, I'd say, oh, it's cool. Just leave it. Let them trash the house. Okay, see you later. And then I would resent you at midnight that night that you hadn't helped me clean up. The cultural values of our house are all different. So the way we do things around here, as we're talking about this house, the cultural values... Well, we're a church that acts like family and feels like home. People do not want to come to church and be part of a business, be part of an organisation, even though it is, be part of a corporation. They don't want systems to be paramount and structures. They want love and family to be paramount and a sense of feeling like they're home. A church that acts like family and feels like home, are we there? I reckon we'll be pursue this for the rest of our lives. A church that acts like family and feels like home. We're talking about Acts 2. We're talking about community that doesn't worry if you're, if you're different to me. It doesn't worry if you've got a different bank balance to me. It doesn't matter if you're a different colour to me, that together we are a church that acts like family and feels like home. You know, I've heard my friend say once, she said, church is weird. Like you get together and you get in this big group of people, of people that you would never usually associate with. Like it's just weird how you have to all of a sudden associate with people that you wouldn't usually Yes, that's the point, that God puts us together that with people that we're not like, that would be like sandpaper and buff up against each other, and, and some of you are like fine sandpaper that, that polishes glass, and others of you are like heavy sandpaper that buffs the corns off your feet. I'm the only person that does that? Oh. <laughs> it's talking about homothumidin, 
which is the word one accord in the New Testament. It's a word that grabs my imagination because it's orchestral in nature. It's where, it's, it's like this thing that you bring your instrument, you bring your pitch, you bring your harmony, and we all come together, and in unison we rush along with this melodic, beautiful piece of music that because of our differences is made all the more beautiful. And in those pieces of music, there are always grace notes, unnecessary, but put in there just to bring out something beautiful and different. That is the homothumator that the church is to be a church that acts like family and feels like home. Number two, we live and lead with faith, hope, and love. We don't just live with it, we lead with it. You might say, I'm not a leader, Bron. You're a leader of every environment that you walk into, prospectively. Prospectively, not a word. Um, can't think of it. You're a leader of every environment you work in, walk into. Faith, hope, and love. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says that, in order to please God, we must believe that He is, that He exists, and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. So we actually have this perspective of, of faith about a God who loves us and wants to reward us as we seek Him more, as we go after Him. Faith, hope. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. There's meant to be this abounding in hope in our lives if we're followers of Jesus. Hebrews, of Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, faith, hope, and love, not doom, gloom, and opinion. This is something that has set me free. This is a cultural value that has... You don't know the freedom that comes when you no longer have to have an opinion on everything. I was a person who had to have an opinion on everything. And the freedom that comes when it's not my concern. And I've just got to believe the best about people. And my hope is in the glory of God so I can be full of joy in that. Oh, too good. Uh, faith, hope, and love. Love. God is love, isn't he? God is love. So in that case, God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. God is not rude. He keeps no record of wrongs. He is long-suffering. He, he's not self-seeking. God always protects, always rejoices, always trusts, always perseveres, and God never fails. So if we're to live and lead with faith, hope, and love, then that's what we're meant to expound, kind of exude in our lives. Faith, hope, and love. Yes, things might be down, but God is going to make a better day in the future. Yes, this is not the end. Regardless, I've got the hope of the glory of God that's coming my way. Faith, hope, and love. That's what we should be aiming to reflect. Number three, we relentlessly pursue better. We relentlessly pursue better. This might seem a little bit funny, but you know what? God builds his church. We do not. God is the one who builds his church. He says in the Psalms, unless God builds a house, those that labor, labor in vain, he says in the New Testament, Jesus said, I am building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But we pursue better. There's a story about a man called Truett Cathy, CEO of Chick-fil-A in, uh, in the States. Anyone who loves Chick-fil-A, please give me a good amen. 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 Um, Chick-fil-A is a, is a company in the States. They're like KFC, but you don't feel dirty afterwards like you do with KFC. And, um, and it's, um, it, they close on Sundays by faith. They're massive. They're everywhere. And they close on Sundays. You see all the billboards along the highways. Chick-fil-A closed on Sundays. And, uh, and, and they do that because they, in honour to God. And so they're there around the, the story goes around the table. And uh, they're, they're all 
strategizing on how to get bigger, how do we get more market share, how do we grow? And the story goes that Truett Cathy, the founder, starts banging on the table and he says, stop, let's stop trying to get bigger. Let's just try to get better. If we get better, then they'll demand that we get bigger. Now, we're not about bigger, regardless of what you may think. We are about people knowing the love and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and experiencing eternal life with Him. That is what we're about. But God is the one who does that, and all we can do is pursue better. So that's why we try in everything, not just on Sundays, but in everything. If we discover something in the Word, we want to love the orphan and the widow better. We want to love the poor better. We want to gather better. We want to be able to um, express, (laughs) that's funny that I couldn't think of that word, express our faith better. We want to be able to be better on Sundays. We want to take away anything that people might have to get over in order to be here. So if we have a band where someone's wailing like a, I can't say banshee because People get offended when I say that. So wailing like a whaler, um, then we'll talk to them because we want to get better. If Daryl gets up too quickly when I'm not finished my sermon yet, I will talk to him because we want to get better. You know, if, if, if there's a grumpy person on the door, then we will talk to them because we want to get better. If there's someone out in kids' church who's smacking all our children, we'll probably need to do more than talk to them. Because we want to get better. We don't want anything that people have to get over in order to experience the love and grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We live with a have to, get to, rather than a, no, we live with a can do, get to, rather than a do I have to kind of attitude. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says, do not grow weary in doing good for at due time you will reap a harvest. So we kind of try to foster in ourselves as Christians this attitude of I've got to keep going and, and I'm going to keep going. Not like, oh, do I have to do that? Because we want God's harvest to be brought in. Number five, we invite. We want to create a culture of invitation always. Always. Number six, we work from rest and have fun. Like, just think about your life as a whole for the moment. You know the times when you're just that stressed out and you don't know what's coming and you feel overwhelmed? It's just not a fun place to live, is it? But to work from rest and having fun, that's what we all want. Maybe fun's low on your list of priorities. Maybe you'd have to Google fun in order to decide what you would do with it. But, but, but mostly we want to work from that place of rest, from that place of supply, from the place that actually we're living in grace and not under works. We want to work from rest like Hebrews talks about. Just a, rather than a go, 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 go. Work from rest. And number seven, finally, we live heart and soul for Jesus. We live heart and soul for Jesus. You've heard me say this before. When you live with a foot in both camps and when you live kind of like I'll do the bare minimums and whatever I need to do, you have just enough of Jesus to annoy you every time you sin. You just kind of, like you do the wrong thing and, 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 and rather than being like, oh God, man, I didn't mean to do that. You're like, oh, why do I feel bad? Well, because you've got just enough of Jesus but to have a place where you are living heart and soul for Jesus, where you're living in the grace of God, where you're living in that life, that vital life flowing to you, then that is the place to live. We want to be those that live heart and soul for Jesus. We want to be those that, that we don't go through to heaven and everything gets burnt up and we're just rescued as just by fire. We want to be those that streak through and like, Jesus, we're here. He's like, welcome, I've been waiting for you to come. We live heart and soul for Jesus. 
And so this morning, that's the kind of church that we want to be. We want to be those that, that just live for Him, that are not all about ourselves. And this is what a picture of the future does. A vision is a picture of the future that creates passion in the present. But the other thing that a picture of the future does, it can actually polarise. Because you can go, oh, I see that kind of church that you're talking about. And I'm not, I'm not sure that I'm up for that. Can I encourage you? Because the kingdom of God is far more expansive than any church. If you're like, well, Bron, actually, the kind of church that I want has these three things and they weren't in anything that you talk about, please come and talk to me. Because chances are I'm going to know a church like that. And I would rather you just be so happy in your faith and growing and going after God than be in a church that you feel like doesn't have what you need. Or you might be able to find, I might be able to find environments for you where you feel like, oh, no, I want to come here, but I want this. There may be other environments that we're able to find for you. The kingdom of God is big enough to handle all that. And so I encourage you that if that's what you want to do, then go for it. Or, or come for 40 days of purpose and decide what you're going to do after that. There's countless opinions and countless tastes. The most important thing in my mind is that Jesus is preached and people are getting to know Him. So church, let's come to our feet. A bit of a different message this morning. I just wanted to go there before we move forward into our year, move forward into 40 days of purpose so that you know the kind of church that we are and you're able to understand why we do the things that we do because we believe it's not all about us and it's about others. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.